What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Catfish on Ice with your hosts, Chad Minton and Kyle Perkins. We hope y'all are having an awesome evening as we give you the nightcap of episode 168 of Catfish on Ice. How you doing, Kyle? Doing pretty good. How about yourself, Chad? Doing good, man. We're coming off back-to-back wins for the Predators at home. They weren't pretty, but wins are wins. Uh, they don't ask how. They ask how many. Uh, Absolutely. Whether you win by one goal or by a touchdown, it doesn't really matter. So It does not matter. Uh, and let me tell we'll you, how we can get them at this point. Every, every time we think that Preds are just going to sink further and further back in the standings, they say, nope, we're not done yet. We're just going to keep finding ways to hang around that wild card bubble. And that's what drives a lot of fans crazy because no one knows what to think about this team. So here we are. I think I think Kyle's frozen. Kyle, Kyle is frozen in time. So I will get this episode going here. This is episode one sixty eight of Catfish on Ice with Chad Mitten solo right now until Kyle Perkins comes back. He there he is. You there, man? Yeah, you disappeared. Oh well, you froze, man. You were frozen in time. Oh, like, and you had a very very like interesting look on your face. Like you were about to say something really, really profound. And now I'm really have to know what you were about to say. Um, I forgot. Okay. We will, <laughs> we, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. I'm sure it'll come back to you. It looked like you were going to say something really amazing. So you better think about it. All right. We have got a lot to get into. We are going to discuss the back-to-back wins. The Preds got at home one over Calgary, which was a really big one considering the Flames hold a wild card spot right now. And then, of course, they take care of business against Columbus. Like we said, it wasn't necessarily what you would call flashy wins, but they were wins. And they figured out a way to get a pair of two-to-one low-scoring wins. Who stood out in those wins? We're going to talk about it. We're going to preview the Blues. The Preds are heading to St. Louis tomorrow night for the third time this season. This season, maybe you can call it a rubber match. Um, another big one, Kyle. I mean, it's another team that's right in the battle with you in terms of a wild card spot. These are what they call four point games here, four point swings. You beat them, not only do you gain a game in hand on them, but you uh, you swing four points if you can get the win. So another huge, what I would call a winnable game. I I think the Blues are a very big of a toss up opponent with the Predators. Very equal playing field. Um, so it's a game the Predators got to get for sure. I agree. Uh, the Blues have always been one of those kind of thorn in the side teams for Nashville. It just even when they're bad, they always seem to give them trouble. Yeah. So if they can go out and put on a good showing and get a couple of points off of them, then I think that really does wonders for the team mentally as well as in the points. Absolutely, and that's going to be a hostile environment. St. Louis is a tough place to play. Those fans are going to know what's at stake. They have not been happy with the way their team's played either this year from the Blues fans I've heard from. So a huge game. We're going to preview that matchup. We've got to talk. We've got to talk about Irslav Askarov's debut. Uh, we have not done an episode since that. First of all, Kyle, I was like not even on my phone that much that day, checking social media that much. 
And I found out he was starting like I was like late to the party. Like the game was starting in less than an hour, and I found out that Iskarov was being thrown in because Kevin Lankinen was um, kind of dealing with an injury that we didn't know a lot about, didn't hear a lot about till the time came. And I was like, whoa, now what is going on? Irisov Iskarov, this yeah. is going to be must watch TV right here. He, uh, it was kind of a, like you said, it was a shock to see it. He, uh, basically right place, right time. Uh, UC wasn't going to go off the back to back. And then, uh, Lankinen was sick and I was the same as you. I hadn't really been checking it real heavily or anything like that. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, Askarov starting tonight because I was, you look at last year, how many, back-to-backs did Saros start it's like oh he'll just start the back-to-back and mm-hmm. then Lankinen will get a start whenever he's healthy but uh the boy did good I can't really complain I know it was a loss but yeah we'll, 20... bring, we'll do our takeaways on it for sure we're, we're going to use a whole segment on that because I, there was so much that happened in that game I mean it was one of the wackiest games I've watched in a while yeah, and, it was busy. <laughs> so we'll go back to that game. I know it was last week, but uh, we've got to talk about it. And then we've got a new segment that is – we always like to drop fun stuff here. We think of new ways to get us thinking, get the brain juices flowing. We like to stump each other with some of these segments. We've got a new one here. It's called, it's called What Happens First. We're going to throw out two different scenarios involving the Nashville Predators – and we're going to talk about which one do we think happens first. I got three really, really tough ones. We'll do a quick update around the league as the episode goes on. we got some games going on tonight, and that will do it for episode 168. But before we really get into anything, got to talk about my poll question that I put out um, a few days ago on Twitter because I was just really – we were at the midway point of the season, Kyle. You know, we're at the 41-game mark halfway through the season. So, naturally, I went back and looked at where the Predators were at this time last year and wanted to really think, ask fans, do they think the team is better off or worse off than they were last year? So, at the midway point of last season, Kyle, the Predators were 24-14-3. and but they were riding a four-game losing streak. So kind of like this year's team, they were very streaky and towards the middle of the season. But obviously their record was way better than what the Predators' record was entering um, the midway point of this current season. So mm-hmm. I, threw the poll, I threw the poll question out there. Do you think this team is better off or worse off than at this point in 2021-22? Your three options were better, worse, or the same. So, Kyle, I'm a little shocked by these results. I figured that worse would be the winning percentage, but not by this much. 59% of the voters said that this team is worse off than they were at the midway point of last season. Let's not focus on just record. I mean, I meant this as a question of how the team is constructed. Where is this team going? Where is it heading? Is it a more viable playoff team if they make it to the playoffs? That's how I meant that question. 59% 59% says they're worse. Do you Are you kind of surprised by that, Kyle? Because I was. I am. Uh, and honestly, myself, I, I feel better about the future of the team than I did at this point last year. Because at this point last year, you had 
Tolvanen, who wasn't really doing a lot. You had Tomasino, who was doing okay, but not super great. Then you had Glass, who was down in Milwaukee. I mean, the future, the young players weren't looking super awesome great at this point. This year, you have Glass, who has become a great forward. Parsonen, who's came in and became a great center. Uh, I still think Tomasino's going to be a great player. I don't know whether he'll be a center or a wing to end up, but I feel a lot better about the younger players coming up now than I did, especially seeing Askarov playing in the AHL and now making his NHL debut. Yeah, and to echo what you're saying about the younger players, last last season we were seeing three incredible incredible veteran <clears throat> seasons. We were seeing Matt Duchesne, Roman Yossi, and Philip Forsberg just completely erupt on the offensive end. We were seeing a power play that was top 10 in the league for most of the year. The complete opposite from what we're seeing from the Preds power play this year. It's just completely flipped the script. Uh, the, the young players this year are actually the ones that are giving us a lot of reason to feel hopeful right now. Cody, you yeah. mentioned Cody Glass. You mentioned Yuso Parsonen. Those are the two big ones, but it's not even just those two guys. I'm going to even go deeper into the depth chart here and throw some love to – I know he's not as young of a player as Cody Glass and Yuso Parsonen, but he's still a relatively young player, and that's – look at what Yakov Trenin's doing. Look at the yeah. consistency he's bringing to this team. So, I mean, you're seeing a lot of younger players. Uh, definitely Alexander Carrier needs to be thrown in there as well. You're seeing these younger players who are making major impacts to the Predators, at least being near that playoff bubble. Whereas last year, Matt Duchesne was scoring at an insane rate. We were talking every episode, which is it going to be Matt Duchesne or Philip Forsberg that breaks the single season record first? Because they're going, they're going tit for mm -hmm. tat, you know, every night. They would trade goals, and it was just like, it was just crazy to watch. We're not. I know Forsberg is still scoring at a pretty high rate, but we're not seeing Roman Yossi nearly on the same scoring pace. And and Matt Duchesne, he's putting up some assists, but he's not scoring the puck like he was last year. Mm -hmm. So I think fans are definitely thinking about that in terms of this poll. And um, but fifty nine percent kind of surprises me. Ten percent say they're about they're better. Only ten percent. Um, I would expect that number to be a little bit higher. And then 31%, you know, they just take the easy route and they say, oh, they're they're the same. They're they're and I can I can agree with that, honestly, that if anything, they're kind of the same, which is kind of a letdown for me when you think about it. Cause coming out of the offseason with the additions they made and how aggressive David Poyle was yep. with uh with shopping around and signing McDonough or trading for McDonough for basically nothing. Um, and you're just, at least up to this point, they're not where they probably should be in the standings. Obviously there's still so many games left to where that can change, but I think that's why people say they're worse, but in the overall grand scheme of things, I would say that if anything, they're the same in terms of the grand picture right now. Yeah. Uh, if you look at like only if you're putting them in a bubble and you can't look at the past or the future, you know, I could see where you could say they were maybe worse because you're yes. not, you're not scoring at the same rate as Forsberg and Duchesne and Yossi were last year. And that 
little bubble, they are a worse team. But if you look at the potential going forward, I think they're a better team. That's where I'm at with it too. You're seeing you're seeing these young players really live up to the potential that and they're only going to get better, you know. And these are these are young players that aren't even signed long term yet. So you're mm-hmm. you're you're seeing a window into what could be in in two, three, four years from now. So that's some good stuff. We got um, some good comments coming in. A Predemption, who is a Johnny on Twitter. He does the fan reaction videos. Always brings all these really good nuggets of Preds history. The dude is a walking National Predators encyclopedia. Like, somebody needs to hire the, hire him to do, like, all the stats and stuff. Uh, but Johnny jumps in here. Let me share his comment for everyone. He says, believe it or not, not by much, but this year's Preds team after game 41 is right along par with the 2015-16 and 2016-17 versions of the Preds. Of course, we know the 2016-17 team was the team that barely scraped into the playoffs and ended up going on the magical run to the Stanley to the Stanley Cup. So good stuff, good sharing there from Johnny. Of course, and then Max Greenberg, our buddy, jumps in and says, I think it's a loaded question, but overall, I think it's the same. So I can there you see go. That. I can, that's, it's a tough question. It really is. And There's a Mike, lot of variables. Mike Twitter also jumps in, a, a loyal listener and viewer of the show. We always appreciate Mike Twitter jumping in. We hope you're doing good, Mike. He says, why isn't Yak doing his normal goal celebration off the glass, though? Yeah, he, love, he loves to just throw – maybe coaches and trainers said, hey, Yak, uh, can you stop throwing your body violently into the boards because we really need you down the stretch. and We can't have you, you know, screwing – you know, injuring yourself because he throws his body against the boards. Hard. Like, you would think someone else was actually – hitting him into the boards the way he throws his own body into the boards. So maybe the coaches said, Hey, yeah, we're going to need you to, we're going to need you to calm down a little bit there with your goal celebrations. I don't know, but we want to see more of those. We want to see more of those. And I don't think Yakov training gets nearly enough love that he deserves because the dude plays his role. He's Mr. Consistency. And he is a demon on the penalty kill. That's what I was about to say. That dude creates so many shorthanded opportunities. Him and uh, Tanner Janot both like to use yep. their big bodies. It just makes me nervous sometimes when they do that because he creates a odd man rush the other way down. That's happened a few times. Yeah. So you just got to watch out when you when you go down when you get aggressive on the penalty kill and you try to get a scoring chance. It usually leads to a scoring chance on the other end. So you do got to be careful with that. All right, but anyway. Pretty interesting poll, poll fan, uh, fan poll there. But we will uh, continue to monitor that and see if fans start changing their mind on that. All right, let's get into recapping the back-to-back wins the Predators got um, at home. They come back home, riding a three-game losing streak. So, you know, once again, this team's showing how streaky they can be. They came back home against Calgary and that was a game that I was extremely nervous about going in yeah. because the Preds had already beaten Calgary once this season. Calgary is starting to get it together. Some of their big-time playmakers like Nazem Kadri and Jonathan Huberdeau and some of their other big playmakers are starting to really, really get back into it and, and score the puck. And it's just a really well-coached, hard-nosed, blue-collar team. So I was pretty worried about the Calgary game and the Predators going on a four-game losing streak. But first of all, 
stick taps for UC Soros because he does it again, especially in the third period. That third period, I was just waiting for the Flames to get the equalizer and eventually win in overtime because it just felt like the Predators had nothing to give, and it was just UC Soros or bust in that third period. It was ridiculous. He, the he needs a good vacation after this season is over, because <laughs> he he's putting in a lot of hours at work. He's, yeah, he, he definitely is. Yeah, the guy is just on a tear right now. He had you know he's going to have a couple games where maybe he doesn't look like the most elite goaltender to ever walk the earth, but then he always gets back on track, and he's just. Night in and night out, making it so clear yep. that this team is only going to go as far as UC Soros can take them. And that's really unfair. And, and you really hope that the goal support starts coming around and the power play at least gets near the middle half of the league instead of hanging around as one of the worst. But until that happens, Soros has to be basically perfect or close to perfect every single time he steps out there, and it's just so much pressure. And to Kevin Lankinen's point, he had to do the same against Columbus. So yeah. it's not just on Soros. It's also when Kevin Lankinen has to get these big starts on these back-to-backs. And it's such a luxury to know that when your backup goes in, you don't have to worry about that being the reason why you're going to lose. Yeah, it's it's a completely different feeling than last year. Nothing against Dave, but – I feel a lot more comfortable when uh, Lincoln is starting. Uh, just hey, the guy's going to have a starting job next year. That's oh, all absolutely, absolutely. He, he's he's making some money next year. That's just a foregone conclusion. I do got to throw something there, something out at you though. And I can I can either save it for now, or I can ask you when we start talking more about Iroslav Askarov. But it involves Kevin Lincoln. And you want me to throw it out there now, or do you want to save the suspense? And I'll ask you later. Mm, go for it, I guess. Go for it now? All right, I will. So I'm totally being, I'm looking into the crystal ball here. I'm not predicting this, I'm not saying it's going to happen. All I'm doing is putting it out there in the universe for people to think about because it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. If for some reason the Predators are really, really far out of the wild card hunt when the trade deadline gets closer and closer. And I'm talking like, let's say they're 15 points out, 14 points out, 12 points out, like a pretty low, like it would take a miracle for them to get, to make it up and come back. Well, then you got to start thinking about maybe dealing Kevin Lincoln into a playoff contender Ooh. who needs a Because I'm telling you, Fans, there, there's going to be a team out there who doesn't feel so. Edmonton. There's a team out there who's <laughs> going to be in the playoff hunt, and they don't trust their goaltender that much. And they're saying, "Hey, Nashville, can we have Kevin Lankin in since he's probably leaving anyway in the off season?" And you could yeah. get something really valuable out of Kevin Lankin. And I'm not saying the Preds do. The Preds won't do that unless they're really, really far out of the playoffs. But don't. All I'm saying is, don't leave that off the table. Oh, absolutely not. Uh, I think that would be a very smart thing to do. And I'm assuming you were talking about maybe having Askarov be your start. Uh, he your would backup. finish out the season. He would finish out the season at that point. I think you only do that if you're going to start resting UC a lot and he's not going to get 
but maybe 50% of the starts instead of his normal 60-plus percentage. Um, I guess one of us – I can't remember who it was that suggested that a few episodes ago, but Mike Twitter says we've – we visited this topic, this possibility before of possibly trading line. That might've been you, Kyle. I honestly can't remember. I, I might have. Um, I mean, we have so many good ideas on this podcast, every episode that we just lose track of them. You know I mean? It's hard to keep up with them all. <laughs> it's hard to keep up with them all, but no. Yeah. Uh, it, it's definitely worth thinking about. I mean, it is. I, I still wouldn't be sold on, making Askarov the full-time backup next year. I still think he needs to stay down. But anyways, as far as the end of this year, I don't see an issue with if they're going to give him starts, then, yeah, bring him up. Yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's a major hypothetical here, but I'm just saying it's possible. Um, going back to looking back at these last two games, first of all, back to the Flames game. In that third period – the Flames outshot the Predators 21 to 5. I mean, come on now. That's just ridiculous. And Soros held them off the score sheet. That yeah. was just, and that game was trending in such a bad direction. The Flames uh, scored late in the second period, and it was just, it was looking downhill. It really did not feel like the Predators. I mean, they had a two goal cushion, but it just did not feel like they were going to be able to hang on tight for that one. So, you know, Soros comes in there and just puts together another huge one. Uh, the Flames go 0 for 4 on the power play in this game. Um, and, and Soros ends up getting 38 saves on, on 39 shots faced. So just another, another game where Soros basically had to put the team on his back. It's becoming just the norm, unfortunately. But... That's why I've been saying this for so long. All these people who want the the Predators to, to commit to a rebuild, they're never going to be bad enough to tank or be I, – no one's ever going to accuse them of tanking on purpose. But I'm saying just like tanking in the sense of being so bad that they're going to lose a bunch of games. As long as they have Soros and Net, they're always going to be just good enough to do what they're yep. doing right now. Right now. Is that good enough to win a Stanley Cup? Most likely not, unless you catch lightning in a bottle like 2017. But that's why David Poyle is not going to tear this thing apart. He's just not going to do it. Nope. He won't. He won't touch it. We got some other comment. Let's. Uh, a lot of people are in tonight. We love y'all. Let's say hi to Nikki. Nikki jumps in. She says, "Yes, I'm not playing hockey hockey tonight, and I can join." What's up, y'all? What's up, Nikki? Dead Cell, which is our buddy UC Sorrows jumps in and says, you could probably get a fourth for Lincoln and maybe even a third round pick if the buyer was desperate. I think that's fair. I think a third I would, would take be... that in a heartbeat. You can find a lot of gems in, in the third and fourth round of an NHL draft. Yep. So it, it, I would not be against that at all if that ended up happening. Uh, Let's see here. A lot of good comments coming in here, guys. We're going to try our best to keep up with them all. Just like I was saying, Dead Cell says, can't tank tank with Soros and Net. Soros makes a bad team mid. Yep. yep. I mean, yeah, you're right. You can't argue with that necessarily. Not unless you're uh not unless this scoring gets better, you know, and I don't know how that's gonna happen necessarily unless 
you start seeing a little bit of, of what we saw last year in terms of guys just having insanely career offensive years, and we're just not seeing it from anyone on this team right now. Not even Forsberg. Not even Forsberg. He's having a great year scoring. He's still solid, but he's not near his career high yet. Oh, no. Not even. Uh, let's see. But that 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 Flames game, yeah, was just a very – it was just a game where you felt very lucky to get out with the win, and you – give UC Soros a big old hug after and say, thank you so much for saving our bacon. As for the Columbus game, gosh, I mean, (laughs) first of all, I don't see how Columbus is as bad as they are. You look at their team on paper and you're like, they shouldn't be this bad. I mean, you're asking yourself more and more, why did Johnny Goudreau decide to go to Columbus again? Like, what was he thinking? But... I don't know, man. That was a game where the Predators, for a big chunk of that game, they were sleepwalking, man. I mean, it oh, was yeah. it was really, really hard to watch. Like, I mean, Columbus looked like the more desperate team. Columbus looked like the team that had more to play for. You would have thought that the Predators were the team that was tanking and trying to get Connor Bedard, not Columbus. Columbus was out there to win. Yep. So... I if there's if there's ever such a thing as not being very satisfied after a win, it's this win over Columbus. I don't take much stock into it at all, other than yeah, you got the win. Now you're only three points out of the wild card. That's all well and good, but not a winning product against most teams on most nights. No, not even. And once again, your goaltender bells you out again. Thirty nine saves from Kevin Lankinen. I mean, that dude was just locked in, Kyle. I mean, what did you see from Lankinen in this game? Lankinen looked like a very capable, very, very capable goalie. He made a lot of saves that were, I would, I haven't seen the stat numbers, but I'm assuming he was very good on goals saved above. We can find out real quick. While you're talking about that, I'll find out real quick. I don't have it. I'm sure he was pretty good. I mean, you have some really good shooters on that team. Goudreau is always in around the net. It just – he played a heck of a game. It looked, it didn't – Dan Hinoak brought it up uh, uh, when they interviewed him on one of the – on the bench. And uh, he said that uh, we're, we're winning this game, but we don't feel in control of it. Mm-hmm. So no, and he's and the, you know the money puck analytics would lean towards that. The deserved win a meter gave uh, the Blue Jackets a fifty three point five percent chance to win. So they were the. I mean, it was a pretty close game, but in terms of who had the better scoring chances, and you throw everything into a pile, uh, the Blue Jackets were actually the better team um, slightly. Uh, you had both goaltenders played great games here. The Blue Jackets had a, what I believe was a rookie goaltender in there, and he also played a pretty good game. Yeah, Tarasov uh, had a 1.5 goal saved above expected, and uh, Kevin Lankinen had a 2.99. That is a big number, ladies and gentlemen. Lankinen saved an extra three goals in this game. That's pretty incredible. So uh, I've got the ads game on, and uh, they got penalties going off the ice 
for the end of the game. Several unsportsmanlike comments. Oh yeah, I heard that game was getting chippy. I was checking the I was checking the thread a little bit earlier. I know Askarov's back in net for him tonight. Yeah. Um, uh, Springfield one two one. Ah. Let's talk about Cody Glass's goal against Columbus. That he looked like he was taking in his inner Philip Forsberg with that goal. I mean, he gets the pass from Forsberg right in the slot and does a spin move and just snaps it. Like, I mean, just yeah, no pause, just a snap release and in. And it's just that is a goal scorer's goal. It was. Made me really happy to see Cody score one like that. He if we start, more. if we start seeing Cody Glass score goals like that, then um, yeah, we can go back to that fan poll question and say absolutely the Predators are better off than they were last year. Yeah, because we know Cody Glass can distribute the puck. We know that it's the big hope of the organization that Cody Glass becomes a prototypical top line center. But if he can start getting that part of his offensive game down where he's snapping pucks by goaltenders in the slot like that with crazy good accuracy, that the game is going to open up for him and the points are really going to start piling up as, as the season rolls on in the second half here. That was just a gorgeous goal from Cody Glass. You see the confidence just oozing out of Glass when you see him out there right now. I mean, the dude is just playing like – like basically, he's all—he looks like he's always out there to prove something to the world, to prove something to Vegas, to prove something to all the doubters. Like, I'm gonna make it right for this organization that they took a yep. chance on me, and I'm going every minute I'm out on that ice. I'm gonna show the world that I'm a top six center in this league, and that I got big things ahead of me. And he's showing it, and he's doing great things for this team right now. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing with Cody uh, is his work ethic whenever you watch him play he's always he's always doing something there's not a lot of idle time a lot of times you'll see especially centers they'll just kind of hang out around the middle of the ice a little bit above the slot no he's all the time going and i really appreciate that from him watching him play that way Uh, so i was um listen to this so i was on natural stat trick uh, earlier today. And I was just looking over every forward line combination that the Predators have thrown out this year and looking at which lines have spent the most time together. This is at five on five play. And the line with the most time together has been the Forsberg, Granlund, Duchesne line, which they've gone away from recently. But by far that line's gotten the most time together this season. And despite all that time together, They've only produced seven goals as a line, which is just, I mean, there's your answer right there for why the Predators are one of the lowest scoring teams in the league. When you got those three not producing goals like they were at the same rate last year, not even close. Yep. I mean, and so now you've got this team scrambling and you got John Hines scrambling to find something that works since that bread and butter top line that you had last year just wasn't getting it done early on in this season, 19 games together and over 166 minutes of time on ice together as a line at five on five and just seven goals to show for it is just really, really bad there. So 
Um, that leads me back to Cody Glass and also to Yusuf Parsonen. They have they have become the saviors, if you will, of being in the top six. I know Parsonen's being moved up and down the lineup. I don't think he was in the top two lines no, last night. He was he was with Sissons, which I'm perfectly fine with, and then he was with Smith, yeah. and I'm really confused about. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This is what irritates fans about John Hines is he he doesn't know how to use some of this young talent like he should. At least that's what the fans feel like. I'm not going to sit here on my high horse and say I know more than John Hines because he's a, he is an NHL head coach and whatnot. But I can still say that I disagree with him. And I could be wrong, but I disagree with him, especially in this moment that the Preds find, find themselves in. I think they need to give Parsonen and Glass – all the opportunities in the world yep. because they they haven't given you any reason not to give them these opportunities. It'd be one thing if Parsonen was giving up, you know, was just showing very clearly that he's not ready for this and he was mm-hmm. giving the puck, he was turning the puck over, he was missing the net, he was making bad passes, he was committing really bad penalties, all that stuff. Then you would say, "All right, let's take the reins back a little bit." You know, maybe we jump the gun and maybe, you know, Parsonen's not ready. Same with Cody Glass, but that's not happening. These guys are playing some major minutes and they are more doing way more positive than negative for this team. So you need to let them thrive and you need to let them in the top six and, and see what happens because they're your future. They are your future. Exactly. And that's that's exactly what I was talking about with the, uh, with the poll question is, I think we're better off now because of these young guys playing. Because like you got them. Guys. They're here, and they're going to be here for a while, most yep. likely. Most likely. Yep. So, And yeah. uh, speaking on Parson, he he got sent down lines after tying the rookie record for points uh, streaks. <laughs> so yeah. that doesn't really yeah. make a lot of sense. It doesn't but, make uh, sense to me either. Um, look at this. So let me look at some of these other lines here. The, the the forward line with the second most ice time together on the team this year at five on five is your Tanner Janot, Colton Sissons, Yakov Trenin combination. They've got four goals as a line, and they're not even considered your main scoring line when they're out there. They're more out there for a different reason. Yeah, of course you want them to score, but that's not their MO. And they've had, you know, almost 70 minutes less of ice time together, and they've already had four goals together, whereas, again, that Grandland-Duchesne-Forsberg line has just seven. That's just – I could not get over that when I came across that number. Uh, that is mind-blowing. It is very mind-blowing right there. So, I mean, you look at – I mean, there's so many line combinations that have been thrown out there. I mean, it's like putting a puzzle together to, to look at all these different combinations that have been thrown out there with all the forwards this year. But – I mean, you've got some of these lines that you would not expect to be pretty effective that have actually done pretty good. And one common theme I'm finding is Yakov Trenin is on a lot of these lines that have actually produced some offense. That's why I was giving Trenin love earlier. You've got another combination where it was Tommy Novak as the center, Janot and Trenin as your wings. They've also produced four goals together, and they've only been on the ice for 59 minutes of ice time. So they uh, oh, look good together. Over a hundred minutes less than the Grandland Duchesne Forsberg line, and they've produced four goals, and they've only given up one. So I mean, I'm just saying it's it's kind of crazy to see some of these 
depth players actually giving you more consistent offense than some of your top guys. I mean, in terms of line combinations. So got to keep an eye on that as the season goes on. Yep. I you- I love Parson being centered with Duchesne and Forsberg. Am I crazy for that? No, not at all. I think – and Forsberg has openly came out and said that he wants to play with him, that he likes playing with Parsonen because of how he plays center. And it's like they were working. Why are we changing it? I can understand you're trying to get some more scoring up and down the lineup, but I don't think that that's the guy you move. I don't think you move a young guy like that who has found the line he clicks with. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just – I love Parsons' ice vision. If anything, he's passing it too much, and we need him to shoot a little bit more. Yeah. But, but I mean, the the dude plays like a true center, a big-bodied physical center, a center you're not going to push around. And considering he's 20 years old and he's already playing with that kind of confidence and that kind of um, big bigger picture when he's on the mm-hmm. ice, he sees the whole ice almost like a point guard in basketball – I mean, the dude is just always dissecting a defense to find the right scoring play. Why would you not put him with Duchesne and Forsberg, two scoring veterans who are going to space out, who are going to know where to be? Why would you not put him with those two? I don't get it. Like they, I, I, he, I really am hoping he comes to his senses and goes back to that. I mean, at this current second, other than special situations where I'm going to say it's probably going to be Sissons, he's probably the best center on this team right now. Hey, I can't argue with that, honestly. I mean, if you're talking about all-around game, you know, I mean, I would have to probably go with Sissons because Mikel Granlin looks better on the wing, unfortunately. Um and Ryan Johansson is just so streaky. Some day, some games, he's invisible. I mean, yeah. I know Joe Johansson does a lot of things well. I know he's a great leader. I know he's a consistent player. I know he wins faceoffs. I know he does a lot of things well. He's a great passer. But there, I will go whole games and not even hear Johansson's no, name be called. I don't hear his name be called hardly. I don't see him in the middle of any major big time plays. He just seems to be kind of a ghost in a lot of games. And so yeah. I would – I mean, it's it's Colton Sissons probably for me just because of all the little things he does, and you add all those up and it turns into big things. But, yeah, I mean, Yusuf Parsons right up there right now as far as how he's creating offense and making trying to make things happen. Yeah. Uh, you look at Joe Hansen, and he's he's another one of these guys that's streaky. And, you know, it's always been kind of the joke of playoff Johansson. But they wouldn't say it if there wasn't a little bit of truth to it. Yeah. And, you know, he does normally look better come playoff time than he does during the regular season. I don't, I'm not saying that he's slacking or anything like that. It's just, I don't know if it's I mean, In the Columbus extra. game. I mean, this is crazy. In the Columbus game, Johansson only had 12 minutes of ice time, dude. 12 minutes. That's, I mean, that's. You're talking about an $8 million center. Got 12 minutes of ice time, Kyle. Oh, wow. Am I living in, like, the twilight zone right now or something? Like, 
What did Parson and then Glass have? Um, I'm pretty sure Parson had like almost eight. I was looking at it the other day. I think he had like 17 or 18 minutes. He got way more playing time than Johansson. He deserves it. I'm not, I'm not yeah. mad about it. Uh, let's see, Parson and Parson had 16:37 of ice time. So he's taking minutes away from Johansson for sure right now. And right and rightfully so. And I know we give John Hines all of this criticism, but let's give him a pat on the back for doing that, for not being afraid to give a rookie more of the ice time over a veteran eight million dollar player like Ryan Johansson. I can guarantee you there's a lot of coaches that would say there is no way that I'm gonna only play an eight million dollar veteran center for 12 minutes in this game, but he's doing it. And so I do got to give Hines some credit for having the guts to do that because that does take some guts. Oh, yeah. That's – I mean, you've got those guys with those huge contracts sitting there, but they're not not getting it done for you, so you got to do something. Mm -hmm. But then again, you've got this kid that's – hey, he could do it. He could not do it. What do I do here? Ah, that's a that's a tough road to hoe when you get down to it. Yep. All right, let's shift ahead. Let's shift gears. Let's look ahead to Thursday. If you're on your ride home and you just downloaded the podcast and that game is happening tonight, the Predators are heading to St. Louis to play their third meeting of the season with probably our – I would say in terms of this current season, the Blues are your biggest rival. They are one of the teams you are absolutely going to have to – um, go toe-to-toe with until probably the last week or two of the season. We are going to be scoreboard watching Blues games all season long because they're going to be one of the teams that are going to be right there. So this is the four-point swing that they like to talk about here. You take two points away from blue, uh, from the Blues and you get two points in your own column. Massive, massive implications here for the Predators uh, in their third meeting against the Blues this year. What are you uh, thinking about in this game, man? Do you think the Predators can – um, take some time off here and look, reflect on these past two games and how the offense just didn't get it done. And you have Lankin in and Saros to think, but overall in the grand scheme of things, you didn't play your best hockey and you're very, very lucky to get two wins. Regardless, I think they have to play much, much better if they're going to beat St. Louis on Thursday. Uh, definitely. Um, because for, for some reason, any of the oops moments that Soros or Lankinen has been stopping, they'll go in against St. Louis. Absolutely. Because just weird stuff always happens against them. It's, And I'm sure it'll be Bennington playing, and he'll be – And he has not looked good at all this year, by the way. Uh, Jordan Bennington, his, he is a shaky goaltender this year. So he, he's one of those goaltenders where – He'll have two or three really bad games in a row, and then he'll turn in a game where he looks like a Vesna finalist. That yeah. so, which Jordan Bennington are you going to get in this game? Is a big part of it. If he is the one that ends up starting, I would assume it would be him. But at the same time, the Blues have kind of been all over the place this year, so they might throw us a monkey wrench there. But I would expect it to be Jordan Bennington. But what scares me about the Blues is that they have plenty of veteran scoring talent that mm-hmm. can uh, dice up its Preds D. 
And it could be that Saros is due for maybe a normal game. Let's call it a normal game for Saros. Yeah. Because he gives us the spectacular games on a regular basis. But let's say he just turns in an average regular guy game. Like I'm talking like he might give up three goals on 30 shots. Do we think the Predators are good enough to score four goals right now against the Blues? Four goals seems like a completely insurmountable task for this Predators team right now. They just can't figure out ways to score more than two or three goals in a game right now. And I think it's very likely that the Blues at least score three goals, even as good as Saros is playing right now. I think that is a very, very high probability. Um, I mean, I the Blues are one of those teams where you look at their roster and you're thinking they, they should be a little bit better. I, ha- I thought they had a good chance of being the second-place team in the division this year. Obviously, I've been wrong about that so far. Um, but they still have so many players that will burn you on this team. Jordan Cairo, Vladimir Tarasenko, Buchnevich. Ryan O'Reilly, I mean, they've got plenty of guys who will burn you right now, and you've got to come out really ready to, ready to swing because mm-hmm. – and, you know, maybe the Predators get lucky and they get Thomas Grice in that, but Grice has actually been better than Bennington in terms of numbers. He's, he's played significantly less games, but Goaltending might not be the problem. This might be your chance to get some, to wake up offensively because I don't look at the Blues as a defensive juggernaut by any means. So that's why I kind of call this matchup a toss-up because maybe the Predators can finally wake up on the offensive end and, and score four goals in this game. And I think four could be enough to beat the Blues, but that's kind of my number I'm sitting on is can you hold the Blues under four and can you get that fourth goal? then I give the Predators a pretty good chance to win. I think that's very fair. Uh, four is going to get you close against the Blues. They're, they should be better than what they are, which, I mean, we've said that about a lot of teams, including the Predators this year. Mm-hmm. Um, if Tarasenko and Kairu are hot, they can burn you for several but I agree with Chad. I think four goals will probably get you a win, but I don't know where they're going to come from. And that's just a tall order for this team right now. That's the problem. For a lot of teams, four goals is like not even that big of an ask. But for the Predators, it is. You're looking at some of these uh, numbers going in. The, the Blues have the 13th ranked power play. The Predators have the 29th. So that's a little scary there. Uh, penalty kill. The Predators are up to 14th. The Blues have one of the worst penalty kills in the league, and that's kind of what I was saying when you when you take when you take the fact that the Blues are very unreliable in between the pipes this year. You give the big nod to the Predators in goaltending. Obviously, Soros. Mm-hmm. You give him a big check mark. So the Predators have that checked off in this matchup. But you go down to special teams. You look at that power play. The the Blues power play. If you give if you get the Blues three or four power play chances in this game, that's where we're gonna get they're gonna get a goal or two. I know the Preds penalty kill has been playing a lot better lately, but the Blues are the type of team where I think they can feed off the power play in a game like this. So don't put Soros in that situation where he has to put on his cape and save you. Here's here's one of my biggest problems about the Predators, and it's starting to creep back up from last season. 
they are starting to commit a lot of really ridiculously yeah, bad, bad. Just losing your train of thought, leaving your stick blade hanging out there, and, and the guy trips over it. Like things where you just really, really just have to be locked in and focused, and they're losing that focus. Um, I love Tanner Janot, but he had a really bad moment in that Calgary game where he flipped, he uh, hit the puck over the glass, and the Predators were already at a man disadvantage as it was. So that put it at five on three. Do you remember that moment in the third period? Yeah. That and I mean, I know these guys are all human and they're going to make mistakes, but like that was one you definitely can't have. So it's just things like that. Jeremy Lazan's been bad about taking some penalties. We knew that coming in. That's good as advertised. Even though I do think Lazan's been doing a lot of good things lately. I really do. Um, he's been impressing me a lot, but he's obviously he's one I look at very closely. Like, come on, man, you got to stay focused here. Um, and not take these really bad penalties late in games. Uh, Matthew Shane's even been taking a couple bad ones, and that's that's someone that really can't be taking bad penalties. The guy dropped like three f bombs in a span of like three seconds after the call. That he <laughs> did you see that? That dude yeah, was that dude he was, was irate, man. Like not safe for not safe for work. If anyone was watching there and reading lips, but um, he kind of had a reason to be mad on that one. That was a, a soft call, but um. I love the passion from him. I love the energy. But yeah, let's let, let's clean up these late penalties that are just momentum crushing because I think that's going to really, really kill you in this game against the Blues. I like our chances at five on five against the Blues. I really do. I, I think that's fair. I think it's more than fair. Um, don't don't take stupid penalties. Yeah, it's, it's easier said than done. I know, but. It's not asking for too much. The Predators are now seventh most penalty minutes in the league, which is still an improvement of last year when they led the league. So that is still an improvement, but they're always going to be the type of team that commits penalties because that's kind of the style they play, and it leaves them to having more penalties. But let's clean it up, especially late in games and in really big moments, momentum-shifting moments in the league, in the in the game. Let's, let's play a little bit smarter and be more locked in. Uh, that that December twelfth game where the Blues won one to nothing in overtime. Ooh, I th- that was a heartbreaker. That was a heartbreaker. I don't. I think that was just an exception of the rule. I don't think this game is going to be resemble this that type of game at all in this one. I think if anything, it's going to be a more higher scoring game this time around. I could be wrong, but that was just one of those weird, crazy games that just don't happen very often anymore. Um, in that game, Bennington had tw- only had to make 25 saves in that entire game, so the Preds got no shots on goal, really, to test Bennington. And then Soros only needed 23 saves. He gave up the one goal in overtime. So that was just a non-offense. Neither team could muster up a lot of offense. I think this game's going to be a lot different than that. I'd agree. I think you're going to see a lot – I won't say a lot more scoring, but more scoring. Uh, Yep. All right. So looking at it, some of these other numbers I'm seeing here, um, blues give up the eighth most goals per game in the league at 3.53. And the blues have taken the fewest penalties in the NHL in penalty minutes at 300. Yeah, I know. Right. At 302 fewest, the predators are seventh most at 459. Penalty minutes. So the Predators, if my math is correct, have taken 157 more penalty minutes than the St. Louis Blues. That is um, a pretty big wide gap there. 
Hey, but at least they aren't leading the league like they were last year. Exactly. Hey, progress, progress. <laughs> All right, we are about to move on to our last couple segments. Thanks for joining. This is episode 168 of Catfish and Ice. We'll try to get caught up on some of these other comments. We're getting tons of comments from so many people. We got some new, uh, some more new people jumping in as well. We'll try to get to that. Let's go ahead and uh, talk about DraftKings before we do. The NFL playoff action continues. We're one step closer to Super Bowl 57. And for the NFL divisional round, that first round of the NFL playoffs was absolutely bonkers. Each game was just like crazy, like just one after the other. Like what, the Jaguars came back from 27 to nothing down to win. Mm -hmm. I mean, just crazy game after crazy game. So you can keep having fun with DraftKings in the next round, the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Check out DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Now customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot at an even bigger payout with DraftKings Sportsbook stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your NFL winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. So if you're feeling really lucky, build a parlay, three or four leg parlay. You can really maximize your payouts. Um, what do we got this week? I think the Chiefs and the Jaguars are playing each other. That's a matchup that I'm looking at because I want to see if the Jaguars can keep this magic alive. Like, I mean, I know the Titans fans are salty right now because the Jags kept them from making the playoffs, but – I think it'd be kind of cool if the Jaguars just kept this magical run going and they knocked off Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. That would be pretty amazing. So that's the matchup I'm looking for. Pick any of the divisional matchup rounds and you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook. Downloaded the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL divisional round and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See our show notes below the episode. For details, if you're having a gambling crisis, need gambling help, have a gambling problem, we have ways you can reach out to get help with that. Let's break down our takeaways from Iroslav Askarov's NHL debut that kind of came out of nowhere. It wasn't like we had weeks and weeks to prepare for this and we knew he was you know, definitely about to get a start. No, this happened like the day of out of nowhere. And um, I thought the the first thing that jumped out at me out at me, Kyle, and I know that you've watched a lot of Askarov tape, and so this probably didn't surprise you at all. But this kid has some confidence. I mean, oh, he thinks he's Superman. Wow, uh, it, it's he really does, and it's it's kind of funny because he's really humble whenever he's speaking or anything. Whenever he pulls that mask down, he's just like, I am invincible. Uh, it's, he's and not the, scared to do anything. It's He looks it's, like the old school goalies back in the day. I know. Was, yeah. And, you know, like, so, like, I know. Well, let's refresh everyone's memory because it was last week. But, you know, against the Canadians and – the Canadians were all over Askarov right from the start. Like, there was no little fun little first couple of minutes where Askarov could take it all in, wasn't getting a lot of shots to face, so he could kind of, like, you know, settle in and be like, wow, my first NHL game. Nope. The Canadians were all over him right from the start, and right when I was watching it these first minute or two, I was thinking, 
oh my God, man, like this is going to get ugly. Not because I thought Askarov was looking bad, but just because I was just worried that the Canadians were getting so many good chances that they were just going to score two or three goals, bam, 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 really quick, and it was going to spoil his debut. But Askarov held the fort down for as long as he could before the Canadians actually got one past him. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he should have been he should have been down a few goals by the end of the first period if you want to be completely honest about everything. And you've got guys like Caulfield and Suzuki and Doc all playing on the Canadians and it's not like they're a a pushover at all. So it's it was cool to see him go against some of these younger guys who are going to be stars in the league for the next few years and yeah. see how he stacks up against them. And to be a guy on his first start in the NHL, I think he looked pretty dang good. Uh, still yeah. a few things he needs to work on. Maybe yeah. call. But if you, if you go back and watch his tape from when he played in Russia and all this, one of the things that he was always known for is being really bad on his glove hand. And if, if you haven't noticed yet, he does play right hand glove, which is almost unheard of. Uh, You, you don't see hardly any goalies catching right-handed. They all catch Mm. left-handed. So it's, it's quite different. I agree with AJ. Um, <laughs> that might have been the most true statement ever put out there on the Catfish and Ice podcast from a from a listener. Thank God the Preds always have a good goaltender. Oh my gosh, someone put that on a T-shirt or a billboard or something. I mean, you could call it Goalieville. I mean, Ooh, it, Goalieville, yeah. That put that on a T-shirt. It's Goalieville. Uh, it. You look at the pedigree. And you, I was talking to a buddy of mine at work who's a big Penguins fan. And uh, we talk back and forth. And, you know, they don't have any prospects. So he'll talk about Fred's prospects uh, because they trade all theirs away every single year. Um, <laughs> but anyway, we were talking about Askarov. And he said he looks uh, – he reminded him of Fleury because he watched that game. The way uh, Fleury looked when he were, he was younger because he's just – everywhere is all this movement and big gestures and everything else. And then you have sorrows who barely moves and it's the comp, the contrast in styles Mm -hmm. is something that is just wild to me. And it's, it's fun to see this kid who is just enjoying his life so much and just so full of joy at being able to play this game and to see him succeed, I, even though it was a loss, I still consider it a success. Oh, yeah. Uh, considering all the circumstances, considering how young he is, considering the fact that he hasn't even played that many games in North America yet. I mean, you know, like, and, and then before he came over here to North America, he was not getting nearly the amount of playing time and experience and, and vital development that prospects – of his stature normally get. So he's kind, so he's kind of starting off with a lot of ground to make up for, for being at the age he is. And so he's been doing that 
by playing with the Admirals this year. It's been so you can't even measure it on the value scale of how important this is for him. And so just giving him that taste of NHL, just letting him dip the toe into the into the pond for a little bit and 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 feel it out. And to see that he definitely responded in some really big moments and made some really big saves. He absolutely did not get ran out of the building. I mean, like I said, the defensive uh, pressure from the Predators was very leaky that night, especially to open that game. And what I really loved about Askarov's debut the most was he eventually he settled in. He he kind of yeah, calmed down did. a little bit. And, you know, once he got past it, I think the first goal he get he gave up was a major learning moment for him because mm-hmm. the first goal he gave up, he tried to play the puck along the boards. He misplayed it a little bit. I don't know if it was that his uh, teammates didn't know that he was going to play the puck like that but he chose to kind of get a little um, – he he, he kind of took a big risk there by going out and playing the puck like he did. And by the time he got back to his net, he wasn't really set up, and the uh, Canadians got the, the first goal there. But other than that, the other two goals he gave up were just tough tough saves, and he just couldn't make them. And that's going to happen to even the best veteran goaltender. So yeah. overall, and then if you look at his uh, underlying analytics – he finished right at a 0.00 for goal saved above expected, which tells me the goals he gave up were, yeah, they were goals that were expected to be goals most likely. And if you look at his high danger save percentage in that game, it was perfect, Kyle. He made, so the, the, the saves he had to make in the really difficult moments, he actually was perfect. Oh yeah. Unblocked shot attempts in the high danger area in this game. Askarov had a perfect 100 save percentage. That really stood out to me. I can believe that. I can 100% believe that. So, yeah, he showed you, hey, I can make these difficult NHL saves. It's my first game, and I can do that. He didn't get roasted. He didn't get ran out of the building. He didn't get, like, the rookie treatment, like, wow, okay, poor guy. Poor guy got knocked around for five or six goals. Nope, he held it together. He actually gave the Predators a chance to win that game that night. And that's all you can ask from your goaltender. Yep. Uh, there one, one thing that I noticed was, and I think it's probably a communication and a uh, just not playing and practicing with the Preds that much, it was uh, whenever he would leave the puck for the defenseman, sometimes there were some mini- miscommunications there. Just like you were saying with that, him playing the puck up the boards on that one play, that I think was another symptom of that same thing. Mm. Uh, just them not having that chemistry, that flow. Uh, and I've heard you hear stories about uh, how goalies do their their thing where they leave the puck behind the net and they'll all do it different and do different call outs and. It's just a comfortability thing. I think yeah. you give him a little bit more time with oh, the absolutely. team, and that's that's a hundred percent not going to di- be an issue. It's a, re- it's a really difficult set situation for a rookie to be thrown into that situation like that out of the blue. And then you know, just just watch when Soros plays and when he plays the puck. It's like, and you would expect it because he's been with the team for so long. But when Soros goes out there and plays the puck. He knows exactly where his um, where his line mates are going to be. He he knows when to make those when to go play the puck and when not to. You'll see sometimes where Soros will um, kind of play it safe and and 
and push the puck back behind him and choose the choose the safer uh, play out of the zone. And then sometimes he does get a little aggressive, but he's nowhere near the the aggressive play on the puck type of goaltender that Pecorine was. Pecorine, no, Pecca would to, go after it. He would be aggressive as well. I find Soros to be a little bit more. Um, he's he he cho- he picks his battles when he wants to go play that puck. And what I saw from Askarov, I mean. I think that with time, he'll learn to be more like Soros in a way, but I'm definitely not going to fault him, and I'm definitely not going to tell him, hey, that's bad, don't ever do it, because you want your goaltender to have confidence. You want your goaltender to play with the chip on his shoulder. You just got to make sure that over time he learns to sometimes maybe not the risk isn't worth it, especially in the first period in that situation. I think if he could have had that play back, he would he would have maybe played that puck a little bit differently. And maybe he gives up one less goal in his first game. But other than that, that's just nitpicking, honestly. For the most part, he had a really strong game for his NHL debut. I agree. I would 100% agree. He, uh, and I'm sure Nicky could probably inform us all a little bit better on that being a goalie herself. But, yeah, well, uh, she also she says a good comment here about um, he reminded me of Carey Price's debut. I watched that game too. You can see the pedigree there. He'll grow and get there. You you can't really ask for any higher praise than being compared to Carey Price. I know Carey's had a rough couple of years the last few years. That man is a amazing goaltender um, who has been on a really bad team and made them mediocre to good for several years um for sure all right before we get to our final segment which is going to be a new segment on the show called what happens first let's it's gonna be fun man i can't wait to throw these at you here you're gonna have to think about them uh i just want to go just want to go around the nhl see what's going on here got the bruins they win again shocker they beat the islanders four to one um Oh my God! The Bruins won a game without David Pasternak scoring a goal. That's kind of crazy. Uh, the Senators beat the Penguins in overtime, five to four. Stars are beating the Sharks, one nothing right now. Lightning are blasting the Canucks, four nothing. And those pesky Avalanche are f- starting to finally click and get some things going as we expected them to. Uh, they're beating the Flames three nothing right now. That's another game that has big wild card implications. There, that yeah. the the Flames, they could be a team that starts fading here pretty soon. If they lose this game again here, then that's going to be uh, a tough few games for the Flames recently. But they're losing three nothing right now to the Avalanche going into the third period. So that's what's going on in the NHL tonight as the Predators are off. Uh, let's do this segment. What happens first? So here is how. This segment works. Uh, Prediction jumps in here real quick and shares some a big one here. Stam goals, Stamkos, Stam goals. Uh, Stamkos has goal number five hundred tonight in Tampa Bay's romp over Vancouver. That sounds like a really good headline, uh, Johnny. You need to send that in to all the newspapers down here in Tampa because that's a really good headline. Tam- Stamkos has goal five hundred tonight in Tampa Bay's romp over Vancouver. Yeah, that's a good headline. All right. Here's how this game works. What happens first? I'm going to throw two different scenarios at you, and we want everyone that's watching right now to jump in the comments and tell me what you think happens first in terms of the National Predators. Let me throw the first one out there. This one's so obvious, and it's going to be so funny. I can't wait to see what Kyle says here. 
What happens first, Kyle? Cole Smith scores his first goal for the Predators or Philip Tomasino gets called up? Phil Tomasino gets called up. Oh, he didn't even have to think about that. I'm I'm pretty sure if Cole Smith scores a goal at this point, his stick will catch on fire. It will shoot sparks into the roof of Bridgestone and burn the building down. <laughs> oh, so we'll, ha- we'll have to go from a water main break to a uh, the building catching on fire? Yes, yes. Both of which will be Cole Smith's fault. <laughs> I- I'm That's- not hating that dude not, cannot buy a goal for the life of him, man. I mean, no, he and it's not life. like he's he's aggressive, man. He he gets in there and tries to find ways to shoot, and he, oh my god, the poor guy. Just I want to see him get. We we are definitely. You want to talk about banner jokes? Our next banner is going to be when Cole Smith scores a goal. We're going to raise a banner that says Cole Smith scored a goal. I mean, we really need to. I, the. I know a lot of people have a lot of hate for this dude, but he works his butt off. He does work I, his butt off. I can't I can't complain about his work ethic at all. He's he's all the time in on plays. Just don't ever let him touch the puck. So he's got <laughs> Cole Smith has played in 47 career NHL games. He has 46 shots on goal for a 0.00 shooting percentage. Oh, wow. That is impressive. It's very impressive. All right, so you're saying Tomasino gets called up first. I'm actually going to go the other way here. I think Cole Smith is going to score before Tomasino gets called up. And my thinking behind that is, I think if Smith continues to get starts, which John Hines, for whatever reason, is not going to bench Cole Smith more than likely unless an injury unfortunately happens. So I just got to go by the law of averages here. I think Cole Smith's going to score his first Preds goal in the next 10 games, and I don't think Tomasino will be called up before that. You're probably right. I was just trying to be funny. But it is – no, <laughs> it's. I think it's a tough one. I think you can make an argument for either side. But – I think that the organization in the front office is very pleased with having Tomasino in Milwaukee for as long as possible this season. I know a lot of fans don't like that. I'm just speaking for what I think the organization is thinking as a whole. And the only way I can see Tomasino getting called up is if the Predators uh, make some trade deadline moves. That's very true. Way I can too. see it really happening. And that we're still a little ways away before that probably happens so we will revisit this in later episodes when one happens before the other and we'll see who was right and who was wrong uh, cole smith scores a goal or Tomasino gets called up uh let's see is anyone jumping in nikki comes in and says Tomasino all day the zombie apocalypse will happen before smith scores <laughs> all right fair enough better get ready get my zombie gear out uh, Mike Twitter is saying Cole Smith goal tomorrow night. And I'll be happy for him if it happens. Oh, we'll all be happy for him. We'll all be happy for him. Uh, Predemption with a with a big one here. I don't think Tomasino gets called up until closer to the trade deadline due to an open roster spot. So, yes, I will go Cole Smith too. All right, there you go. Kyle, do I have them all or you got one for me? I'll let you do them. All right, I got you. Here, here's a more. This is a broader one here. This could take more than one or two years to happen. This isn't a necessarily an in-season question. 
Will Soros win his first Vesna or will Yossi get his second Norris? Which happens first? Uh, UC gets a Vesna. I will and have to agree with you. I say that because there's so much hype around uh, Makar that I believe they're just going to try to give it to him as much as possible. Yeah. Um, oh, the league. I think the league loves them some UC Soros, and eventually he's going to be too hard to deny. Here's what worries me. If the Predators are way out of the playoff race, they're going to go with three goaltenders who are playing really well, who are on winning teams. That's what scares me for Soros' chances. I think he is a shoe-in for another Vesna nomination if the Predators are um, in the playoff race and, and and whatnot. Because you have then you, ha- you can't deny Soros at that point because he's the reason why the Predators are in the playoffs. But if he piles up the losses – to no fault of his own. I actually hate using that as a metric for goaltenders. But if he piles up the losses, I don't know if he's going to get enough votes to get a nomination uh, this year. Uh, I don't think y- – Yossi's definitely not going to win a Norris this year unless he just goes on a completely insane um, scoring tear in the last few months, which I'm not saying it's out of the realm of possibility. Probably not going to happen. But if we're going even into next season and the season after that, I think – the path for Soros to win a Vesna is a little easier than Yossi's path to win his second Norris. There are so many good defensemen out there. I mean, I think there's way. I think I just think there's way more competition for for Yossi to get a second Norris than it is for Soros to win his first Vesna. So I'll go. I'll go. Soros wins his first Vesna first before, before Yossi gets his second Norris. I think that's a very good chance of happening. Just. Like you said, there's more high-end defensemen out there than there are elite goaltenders. It's just it's just math at this point. Yeah. Nikki says that she says Soros. The Nashville Nashville has the award show this year, so either is super possible, but Soros's play is off the charts. He could take it this year. Yep. I think I'm that, that Carolina game really makes it look like a that that that's a good uh, uh advertisement for his Vesna campaign. Yep. All right, here's the final one to wrap up episode 168 of Catfish on Ice. Been a lot of fun. We've had so many amazing people join us tonight to make this episode so amazing. It wouldn't be nearly this good without all of our amazing uh viewers and listeners who are commenting tonight. It's been so much fun. All right, here's the last one. You're going to maybe chuckle a little bit here, Kyle, at this one. Preds win a – which happens first? Preds win a playoff series or John Hines gets fired? That You got to think about that one. That's not one you can just – that's not one you can just spit out. Let's let's put that, this into let's put this into perspective first before you answer. Hines has one more year left on his contract. I don't yeah. think there's any chance in hell he gets fired before next season starts. I think they will at the very least give him a chance to go into year two of his contract, and then they might make a change midseason next year if the Predators are even worse or they're still in the same boat. I don't think that's happening this year though. I don't think they're going to fire him. 
So I don't think so either. Oh, that is that is a sticky one there. I don't like you anymore. Oh, um, <laughs> I came up with this one earlier today, and I still haven't really answered it myself. I'm thinking about it with you because honestly, I I could go either way. Yeah, it, it's really easy to make valid arguments for both. And that's that's never fun. Um, do I think Hines is capable of winning a playoff series? Yes, I do. Do I think the team is in a good enough condition right now to win a playoff series? Not really. Is Hines going to be around long enough to uh, – make the team into one to build, to win a playoff series. Also don't know. I think a lot of that ties into how long's David Poyle going to be there as well. There's, this is a multi-level. <laughs> it's more, it's a multiple layers. It's like Shrek. It has, it has layers. Here's how I break this question down. I don't think Heinz makes it to next year's playoff cycle if the Predators don't win a playoff series this year. So my this question for me comes down to, do I think the Predators are going to win a playoff series this year, this season? And unfortunately, I think no, because I don't think the Predators are going to make the playoffs this year. I, I am so sorry to tell everybody that. I hope I'm wrong. I think there are too many other good teams in this wild card race that are going to that's going to be – I know they're only three points out, but I'm not even – it's not about that they're only three points out. I think when it's all said and done, I just don't think the Predators have enough, um, especially on the offensive end and their goal support right now, to sustain this much longer. They're going to probably have another four or five-game losing streak to deal with at some point this year. I could see them losing another four or five in a row, and that might be the final nail in the coffin. I don't know if this team can can – withstand another losing streak that could go five or six games possibly. So I think the Predators definitely don't win a playoff series this year because I don't even think they're going to make it in. So I think I'm going to – it's very hard, but I'm going to say John Hines gets fired before the Preds win a playoff series. I think it's a very valid – very valid opinion. I'm like I'm like 60 40 on that though. I, it's not a super confident, convicted answer, but I'm gonna say Hines gets fired at some point next season during the season. I don't know. Because at that, at that point, I feel like the fan base is going to be so irate and it, there's gonna be so much outside noise. And you're going to be getting closer and closer to the ownership changing over to majority, True. and all these other things are going to start happening. More contracts are going to be start starting to be easier to move, so it'll be easier to tear the team down next year than it is this year, which I've also talked about. I don't think it's necessarily that easy to go into a full rebuild with your current contract situation right now. So, plus, there's not a lot of teams out there that can make big trades this year. I don't think the trade deadline is going to be that interesting this year. The cap stayed flat, so there, yeah. there's not a lot of teams who can make trades right now. Uh, that's been a big sticking point with a lot of the people who cover the league saying, 
teams can't get better. Teams can't make the flashy trades that fans want to see right now because there's no room on the salary cap for most teams. There's like a handful of teams that can actually be aggressive this year on the trade deadline and make big-time trades. So I think next year is going to be a lot easier for a team like the Predators to – for their front office to say, okay, it's done. It's over with. We're finally going to do what fans have been wanting us to do for four or five years. And that it's going to be very easy to let go of John Hines and maybe give Dan Hynote the interim tag role for the rest of the year. I would be happy with that. Um, I could see that happening. So that's just my crystal ball. Hope I'm wrong. But I mean, I don't see a playoff series win in the near future right now, unfortunately. No, it it would be nice, but I don't I'm in the same boat with you. I don't think it's gonna happen. Not this year anyway. Yep. All right guys, um I hate to leave on a sour note there, but it's still been a really fun episode. We try to keep it honest here. We try to be objective. We try to call out the team when they don't look good, just like we, we're going to be here and be cheering them on when they look great. This is a very hard team to figure out. It's been that way for a few years now. We're, we're here for it. We're going to keep bringing the podcast and bringing the excitement level up and keep cheering this team on with you, whether they lose or win. We're going to keep following this roller coaster ride with you. This has been Catfish on Ice, episode 168. We hope you all have a great rest of your week and of course we will always be back next week for a brand new episode also shout out to our co-host rich he's uh has has kind of a hectic week going on so he'll be back next week for our next episode so shout out to rich we miss you buddy we hope you're having a good week and until then everyone take care this has been chad and kyle perkins your host catfish on ice presented by DraftKings and part of hockey podcast network have a great night everybody see y'all